and they were actually suspicious of service. They were ambivalent about the idea of service to other people because they were afraid that it would distract them from their prayer, from their contemplation of God, and perhaps expose them to the temptations of the world. But Ignatius kind of flips it around and says, well, no, it's precisely in the service of other people that we are going to contemplate God. Welcome to the Spirit is Lit podcast, a spirit-centered podcast. Join us each week for a conversation on faith, current events, and everything in between. Hey folks, how we doing? My name is Jacob DeRussia. I am the coordinator of Young Adult Ministry as well as co-coordinator of the Youth Ministry here at St. Patrick's Catholic Community in Scottsdale, Arizona. This week on our podcast, The Spirit is Lit, uh, we have a few of uh, a couple of my graduate professors at Boston College School of Theology and Ministry, as well as uh, my campus minister from my undergrad, actually. And we're going to be talking about Ignatian spirituality. So let's just go ahead and get right into it. I'm excited. So if we could go around and just kind of introduce ourselves uh, to to our audience. Um, Laura, would you kick us off? Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Laura Alexander. I'm a university minister here at Loyola University, New Orleans. I work with our CLC program, which is our small faith sharing groups based in Ignatian spirituality. And I also direct our retreat program here. Thanks, Laura. Father Andrea. My name is Andrea Vicini. I'm a Jesuit, originally from Italy. I teach at Boston College in the area of moral theology and particularly bioethics including issues in global health, uh, sustainability, and biotechnologies. Thanks, Father Andre. Father Bart. Hi, I'm Father Bart Giger. I'm a research scholar at the Institute for Advanced Jesuit Studies at Boston College. I study the life and spirituality of St. Ignatius Loyola, uh, the early history of the Jesuits, and I also do some teaching of spiritual theology at the School of Theology and Ministry. Thanks, Father Bart. So with your expertise, Bart, Father Bart, I was thinking, um, would you mind kind of explaining before we kind of delve deeper into it, um, just in a nutshell, what Ignatian spirituality is and uh, maybe a couple of exercises that are really popular within the Ignatian spirituality? Sure. Uh, if I had to put it in a single sentence, I would say that Ignatian spirituality centers around the idea of service to others. Okay. Ignatius believed that the most meaningful thing we can ever do with our lives and all the decisions that we make throughout our lives is to try to bring as many other people to God as possible. Um, and so, uh, and he called that the greater glory of God. And he's, he's kind of reacting to a difference. In order to understand Jesuit spirituality, Ignatian spirituality, it's helpful to understand what he was reacting to a little bit. Uh, in the 1500s, most Catholics had what we might call a monastic spirituality, where they believed if you really want to be holy, uh, then the best thing that you can do is to spend many hours each day in prayer and to focus on asceticism, kind of mortifications with the body. And they were actually suspicious of service. They were ambivalent about the idea of service to other people because they were afraid that it would distract them from their prayer, from their contemplation of God and perhaps expose them to the temptations of the world. But Ignatius kind of flips it around and says, well, no, it's precisely in the service of other people that we are going to contemplate God. 
Okay. And so that might seem like a uh, ordinary idea to us today, but that was actually quite revolutionary back in the 16th century. And so all the different aspects of Ignatius's spirituality that we hear kicked about all relate to that basic idea of service to others, whether it's the magis or pura personalis, men and women for others. You know, uh, one of the prayers that Ignatius loved very much was something called the examination of consciousness in which we, uh, at the end of the day, we reflect on everything that we said and did over the course of the day, the people that we encountered, the people with whom we spoke, the things that happened to us, in the conviction that God is constantly reaching out to us through all these different experiences and these encounters. And through the practice of the examen, we learn to become more aware of it in the moment when it happens and to be able to respond to God's presence as we're out there in the world trying to bring others to God. That's a, and that's why discernment, I'll mention a little bit more about that in a few minutes, but discernment is so central to Ignatius' spirituality because we're constantly thinking on our feet as we're out there in the world trying to help other people, trying to decide where can I serve God best in this particular situation, okay? So you might say that Ignatian spirituality is a spirituality of thinking on your feet, of being on your toes. Thanks, Father Bart. I love that uh, um, that the idea of, in, of everything basically like in the service of others, um, all giving all glory to God. Um, and particularly for me, I love within that that practice of, as you mentioned, like the exam and looking back on our day. Um, because for me personally, I, as I do that, I I have noticed times when like maybe I should have treated this person a different way or should have should have done something differently. Um, so, Father Andre. With, with all of this kind of out, out there as, we, as we're kind of diving deeper into this conversation, um, how, with your expertise um, in ethics, how does Ignatian spirituality intertwine with, with the ethical decisions that we make from day to day? I would say that a key element in Ignatian spirituality is to help each one to renew, strengthen a relationship with Jesus. And so uh, this is both for the individual and for groups or communities. In other words, we could say, we experience that we are not alone. Jesus is our friend and will never abandon us. And so we can address uh, anxiety and fear, pushing them back, uh, being able to avoid they dominate us. So in other words, Ignatian spirituality strengthened the importance of relationships, of the relational dimension in our lives. And uh, it helps us to be who we are and to uh, choose what we want to do, what is right and what is just. And as uh, we, we experience in important relationships, we are listened profoundly and we listen. We are cared for and we care. We experience how we are loved and we love. And so this, it seems to me, empowers us as human beings, as moral agents, so that we are able to see reality, to judge reality, and to choose how to act within that particular context that we are experiencing, wherever we are, whatever we do, in whatever stage of life we find ourselves. 
And I would add that also we are able to examine critically what's happening around us and to us. We are attentive to learn from this reality and we can choose how to change it. So it seems to me that within the Christian tradition, Ignatian spirituality helps us to be empowered as moral agents and to empower others. Thanks, Father Andre. I love um, that the idea of, and that this, this Ignatian spirituality has the capacity uh, to help us discern these moral, moral ethical issues, as you said, like personally, but as well as communally. Um, Laura, with your experience in, uh, at Loyola University, how have you seen Ignatian spirituality um, form and, and touch and be impactful for, for college students? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the thing that attracts most college students or many college students to Ignatian spirituality is how uh, experientially based it is. So we're really um, helping them to pay attention, helping them to pay attention to the ways that they feel God's peace, that they feel God's sense of energy, what Ignatius would call um, consolation, you know, the sense of, of being close to God. And the fact that it can look different for every different student um, is really profound um, and, uh, and transformative for a lot of our students. And the same thing, like pay attention to what St. Ignatius calls desolation, like times where they feel disconnected from God, disconnected from others, um, maybe overly turned inward in a way that, uh, that feels unhealthy. Um, and so the examine um, really helps us pay attention daily to, to those movements and to what is bringing them up and then to, to make choices based on, on that insight. Um, the thing that I love about CLC is that it's not just a, a single way to reflect, right? It's not people doing it on their own, which the examine absolutely is an individual prayer. But then in CLC, we have groups of eight to 10 students coming together to share those insights that they're having and encourage one another in that process. So it's about paying attention, but it's also about discerning response. And I think that the thing that really draws college students in is that they can, they don't, they don't feel like they have to follow a, a strict set of rules or be a specific kind of person in order to really experience God's love and transformation. They can come as they are and they can grow um, and they can support one another in that process. And I think for a lot of college students, that's a, a really new way of, of seeing and understanding faith. Um, and we find it to be really meaningful. Yeah, thanks, Laura. I love um, and what you said about um, discernment within like individually within these CLC groups, but also as a, as a community, as we discern and, and listen to the, the movement of God within, um, within our conversation, within our daily life. Um, so Father Bart, would you, um, as we're talking about, you know, discernment, um, would you be able to kind of explain to us a little bit more about um, listening to these movements and how discernment has to do, how, how discernment plays into all of this um, within Ignatian spirituality? Sure. I mean, when Ignatius talks about discernment, he talks about it in two basic ways. He talks about the discernment of spirits. And this is not a concept that he created. This goes all the way back to the ancient church. And the wisdom that he repeats on this subject is basically the same wisdom that's been handed down over the centuries. And the basic idea is that at every moment, God is trying to communicate with us as individuals and as a collective body. Uh, and so the question becomes, well, these thoughts, these emotions, these desires, these feelings that I have, 
how do I know if this is God trying to tell me something? Is this, are these my own thoughts, you know, arising from my own human nature, fears or whatever they might be? Or is this the enemy, the evil one who's trying to deceive me? And so the discernment of spirits is trying to identify who, who is speaking to me, trying to identify the quality of these thoughts and emotions that are going on inside of us. You know, when I think about doing this particular thing for God, I feel a certain hesitancy. And I tell myself that I'm hesitant out of humility, but maybe it's really fear, okay? Maybe I'm afraid to try it because I'm afraid to fail. And so very often we misidentify our real motivations, if you will, and feelings for doing or not doing a certain thing. And so the discernment of spirits is really about being ruthlessly honest with yourself and with others, like your spiritual director, about what's really going on in your mind and heart, okay? And then the discernment of God's will, which he calls an election, the discernment of God's will is when we have two or more good options in front of us that we could be doing in the service of God. You know, a vocation is an obvious, vocation choice is an obvious example, but it could be anything. Two or more good things that we could be doing for God. Which one is God inviting me to desire and choose? Which one do I think I'm going to serve the Lord's greater glory in light of my gifts, my limitations, and my circumstances? You always have to take that into consideration. So the answer is not going to be the same for everyone, okay? Um, and again, going back to that, that first principle and foundation of Ignatius, he's saying ideally what we're striving for is to bring as many people as possible home to God over the course of a lifetime. And so every decision that we make, ideally, in principle anyway, should be kind of oriented toward that end. So... What uh, Father Andrea mentioned a few, a few moments ago about being critical, uh, critically thinking and critically analyzing the signs of the times. This is part of what discernment of spirits is all about, for example. Our, our culture is changing so fast. You know, I tell my students that uh, if you were a French farmer in the 1200s, you knew exactly what your grandkids' lives were going to look like. It was the exact same thing your grandparents' lives looked like. But for the first time in history, we live in a time we have no idea what our grandchildren's lives are going to look like because things are changing so fast. And so the discernment of spirits really helps us to critically engage the world in terms of where is God acting and where might this be a temptation, so to speak. Gotcha. Thanks, Father Bart. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I, what really sticks out to me, too, is, as I think about this is um, sometimes it could be, we could deceive ourselves and we could, or we could like tell ourselves a lie. Like, like you were saying, um, like, I'm, I'm not doing that just because I want to be humble, but maybe it's a different reason. Um, so being really, really attentive to, um, as you said, our emotions and others, uh, all these elements that, that of, of our holistic being that play into this discernment. Um, fa so father, father Andre, would you, um, would you mind kind of helping us dive deeper into how do, how do emotions um, and listening to those emotions play into this discernment factor. I would say that a simplified way of thinking about the human person divides our being in different parts. The head with rationality and reason, the heart with emotions and affections, the body or the flesh with instincts, needs, and passions, and then the soul with the the spiritual you know, part of ourselves. But 
what if we are critical of this way of separating our whole being? What if we think of the person as a whole without separating? In his letter to the Romans, Paul reminds us that nothing can separate us from Jesus and from Jesus' love. What if we follow Paul's suggestion and try to avoid separating our whole self in different parts? If we do this, if we keep ourselves together as a whole, we can join others, whether philosophers or scientists and neuroscientists or theologians, or just you know, common persons who think that emotions and passions are integral to our rationality. So they are not something that we need to find a way to control and handle, but they are part of who we are. And in Ignatian spirituality, we can add even our own imagination. So everything that is part of who we are is essential for our way of being, acting, living Christian life, making decisions. And so emotions, passions, uh, spiritual uh, desires and longings, thoughts, uh, what in the spiritual tradition are considered distractions. Everything is part of who we are and can help us to be believers, try to follow Jesus as Jesus' disciples, care for others, love and uh, act justly. Definitely, love that. You know, as we're, as we're kind of diving deep into this Ignatian spirituality, um, all of us are, are, are delved in um, we've all been, we've all studied theology. Um, Laura, you've uh, got your master's at Boston College, but now, and now you're working with um, university students um, who might not be um, as delved into the th theology. They might not if, at, at first glance know if you say the magis or uh, care for the whole person, if you say that. Um, and these, these rich parts of the Ignatian tradition um, so how do you, um, how have you, what's your approach and how have you um, made this, this more tangible for university students while maintaining that, that rich tradition? Yeah, so um, uh, I connected, I just connected with their experience, you know? So if we're talking about an idea of say of the Magus, you know, what, what more, um, can I be doing for Christ? I just frame it as we all have that sense of, of wanting to go the extra mile, like that sense of like loving something so much, loving someone so much that there's nothing that you won't do. And, and, and so that's what I, that's how I connected is that it's that sense of like that, that innate desire that we have that God loves us so much that we just desire to return that love in any way that we can. Um, and that, and helping people think about like, well, what, what is it maybe that that's an obstacle for me to return that love and having, having them use those, those principles of discernment to, to really think about that and, and to think about how can I give a more, a more full and free return of love to God, whether that's, you know, um, thinking about the people that they interact with, or maybe are afraid to interact with how they, um, the systems that they're involved in, um, what they're studying even. These are all ways that, that I talk about the, the magis, you know, this big Latin word that can be really scary. There's, we live it out every day in our, in our individual choices. 
Um, and so it's just about connecting with it with experience. Gotcha, gotcha. So as we have this, the whole span of um, Ignatian spirituality um, and going back to kind of the beginning with Father Bart, what you were saying, um, as, as you put it in a nutshell in the beginning, um, it should be towards the service of others. Um, and with regards to that and on that theme and that sort of topic, um, how, how can we discern our role with Ignatian spirituality um, with regards to these systemic injustices? Mm -hmm. Well, you've probably heard the expression, think globally, act locally. That is actually a very good description of Ignatian spirituality. Okay, so Ignatius wants us, he, instead of, he wouldn't use the word global, he would use the word universal. He would say, think universally and then act in your particular context with that universal good in mind. So for example, uh, you ever heard the expression, you know, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime, right? So obviously both actions are good and holy and someone needs to be doing both. But Ignatius is going to say to Jesuits and to others who follow his spirituality, if there's someone else who will feed the man, I want you to focus on teaching him how to fish because you're gonna make a much bigger impact in the long run. If you teach him how to fish, then he can go back and teach his village. It frees you up to go somewhere else. And he has a greater sense of dignity as a husband and father because now he can take care of his family on his own, okay? And so in that sense, you get a much bigger bang for your buck, if you want to put it that way, by teaching them how to fish, all right? And so with that basic idea in mind, that's the reason why Jesuits are heavily involved in education, for example, making that wider impact, and also social justice, okay? Looking at the structural changes that are necessary in order to impact the universal community. Gotcha. What's your take? What's your um, take as a, as an as an ethicist, Father Andre? I was thinking that if we rely on scripture and on the theological tradition, Ignatian spirituality tries to discover God's presence in all things, as we, as we are saying. So this means to be more and more attuned to any sign of God's presence in our world, in the ordinary life in what happens you know, uh, here and somewhere else in, on the planet in our history. But also it helps us to recognize anything that can hurt God's presence in our world, can hurt human beings and you know, create an image of God. And uh, it helps us to recognize anything that is unjust and that calls for change. So we could say that being passionate for what is good, what is just, and what is true helps us to know that we cannot own, possess, and control what is good, just, and true, but that we can recognize it and try to live it and support it and strengthen it. We could also say that ultimately, we know that what is good, just, and true is Jesus. That he is again a person. And we do not possess control on a person, but we relate with this person. So it seems to me that Ignatian spirituality focusing on who we are 
individually and collectively as moral agents, helps us to live in this world recognizing what is good and trying to make the world a better place in all those dimensions that still need to be changed, transformed, converted. Gotcha. How about you, Laura? How, is, how have you seen um, you know, Ignatian spirituality and, and discerning systemic injustices with, within your role at campus ministry? Yeah, absolutely. So we have this amazing program here um, I don't oversee it, but my colleague Heather Malvo does. It's called Ignacio Volunteers. It's all about exploring issues of race, power, and privilege um, in different areas across the world. So we have um, a program in South Africa. We have a program in Jamaica. We have a program here in New Orleans. And it, it explores like the systemic um, issues that contribute to um, things like hyper-incarceration and um, violence and the educational disparities based on redlining, like all, all of these things, we see the ways that we may unknowingly participate in, um, but the ways that that privilege is still there. And so then the, the program asks, asks our students and, and asks us to really think about like, well, what, what's the next step, right? So I, now I see, I didn't see it before, I see it now, what do I do? And then it's exactly, it's that act locally, okay? So I can be involved Maybe in this in this campaign, I can participate in this in this calling um, of representatives. I can um, choose to spend my money differently. Um, and all these different ways that that we can use the power that we do have to make lasting and, and impactful change. And it, it is it's about that paying attention to where um, where is my my living contributing to the dehumanization of others and, and that, that, that that's not God's dream for the world. And so how can I be a direct participant in helping to bring about God's dream for the world through working for justice? Yeah. And, and, and you know what I loved about um, the Ignatius volunteers as I did the, um, the New Orleans one is um, and how Ignatius, Ignatian spirituality played into all of this um, makes me think about um, how experiential it was. Like it was, it wasn't me just reading from a book um, about these systemic injustices. It was me um, as a student, as a college student, actually experiencing them and then playing into this, all of this Ignatian spirituality and reflecting almost in, in examine style um, and how, where God was active, where God was present and um, where God was moving in me and, and my colleague, my student, my colleague students um, to act more justly and how we could, how we could learn from these experiences. So, <clears throat> With the time that we have, um, with where we are right now and the time that we are living in, um, parishioners might feel disconnected to God, you know, without the, the capacity to be at mass in person. Um, they might feel disconnected with one another. Um, I'm wondering if, if, you, if, if you all would uh, have any ideas of maybe some books or forms of prayer to kind of, as we uh, sort of close out our, our time together, uh, maybe a podcast um, that, that our parishioners might, might uh, look into during this time? Well, I, uh, I, for one, I like to tell people, remind them that Ignatian spirituality, Jesuits do not have a monopoly on this. This is a gift of the church, of course. And I think one of the best writers on Ignatian prayer and discernment of spirits is actually an oblate of the Virgin Mary named Timothy Gallagher. He has written about seven or eight books, which I think strike a very nice balance between academic substance 
but it's also accessible to the average reader who doesn't necessarily know, have much of a theological background or something like that. And he uses a lot of ordinary examples to really highlight the points that he makes. And he's written all kinds of books on how Ignatius recommended prayer, uh, a whole book on the examen that we were talking about earlier, and several books on the discernment of spirits. So I would certainly point readers in, uh, in that direction. I would invite to focus on very intimate and personal relation with Jesus. Tell Jesus, I, I would encourage each one of us to just to share with Jesus what we are experiencing, just as we would do with a friend. And I think this is something very simple so that we can feel that God in Jesus is present where we are in what we are experiencing in what's happening in our world. He's not an unfamiliar God, but he's God who is really fully engage with what's happening because we uh, want God to be there. And uh, so the, the, the invitation to find just you know, the simple quiet time when we can uh, gather our feelings, thoughts, uh, struggles, and just uh, share them with Jesus, offer these dimensions of our lives, these experiences, these situations to Jesus. And uh, as Jesus will help us to recognize when and where God is present in our lives. It seems to me that this will help us to connect, connect with uh, Jesus in our life story and also will uh, uh, help us to be humble and learn from our mistakes because we sort of, we are more and more connected with what is uh, absolute good and ultimate infinite good in our lives and in history. I, um, I have a, a few, a few things that I really love. The first is just using imagination in prayer. And so like signing up to get the, the daily readings from scripture emailed to you, and then just spending a few minutes in prayer every morning um, with thinking about what, what from that reading really touches your heart. Um, thinking about like trying to imagine yourself there, trying to imagine, you know, the dust on your feet or the wind on your face and what the voices of the crowd would have felt like using, uh, using imaginative prayer to, to put you in the scene and then just see what happens, you know, what, what stands out to you. Um, how can you feel Jesus has touched your heart in that very real way through the scriptures? Um, and then the other way is, is the examine. Um, I love praying the examine before I go to bed. Um, and um, there's some great resources out there. If you just Google like Ignatian examine, um, I feel like there's a different form of it for, for every person. Um, a book that I particularly enjoy is Mark Thibodeau's um, Reimagining the Examine. Um, it's just a little short book. And there's, I don't know, there's, there's tons of different versions of it based on like what you might have be experiencing, you know, um, but I think, um, it also offers a pretty good uh, um, introduction to what the examine is and, and how to pray it. Um, and I think that's a really good starting point for just um, using Ignatian spirituality to help you pay attention to, to God's movement in your own life. Father Bart, Father Andre, Laura, thanks for taking the time as we dived in, dove into um, Ignatian spirituality. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, take care. Uh,
Thank you for Thank having you, us. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for having us. <laughs>